Cleveland Guardians have won five in a row. Remember when we were all nervous a few weeks ago? Well, this team is going to be a bit of a streaky squad, it seems. And another victory tonight, currently a three and a half game lead in the division. We're going to check out some old friend alerts. We're going to check out how the other teams in the Central are doing. We're going to talk about who's leading this team in categories. We talk about so many numbers, but we really sat down and talked about who's leading this team in more traditional stats. And we will, of course, get into today's victory all on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. You are Locked on Guardians podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Locked On Guardians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, as I have been for 793 of these now, I believe. Uh, Hard to believe it's been 793 solo shows. Before that, I was a lead draft and prospect analyst at Scout in 24-7. And before that, I wrote at pretty much every Cleveland sports blog imaginable. Uh, Now I've been here for three plus years, and I hope uh, everyone's enjoying the show. It has been a lot of fun to watch this very fun Cleveland Guardians team uh, play well. And let's just start with... Oh, and I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day. Wherever it is you get podcasts, I remind you... Hit the little subscribe button. That's the most important thing you can do to help the show right now. If you're watching on YouTube, just throw a subscribe up. Getting to 1,000 allows us to monetize, which is huge for shows like this. Let's get into the game today. And, like, before I get into it, it's so weird to me how many people, like, on a very basic level, think that I, I have something against Oscar Gonzalez. Listen, I wrote about Oscar Gonzalez before you knew he existed. He followed me when he was still an A-ball. It's a player, like I've said enough positive things about through the years, that he follows me on Twitter. He's followed me since he was like barely in the organization. I've been following his career and talking about how it's a hard-to-quantify... He's a hard-to-quantify player, okay? And for as much as everyone wants to spout to the success of him... Like he was never even a top twenty prospect most places, and you know the reason was the approach. It's it's a hard approach to get behind, and maybe this works out well for him. Uh, maybe he is Salvador Perez, but ninety five percent of players with that profile don't find success, and that's all I'm stating. I look at the numbers. I live in a world of data, and maybe that's not fun to people. And uh, you know, every day it's someone coming at me about this or that with Oscar Gonzalez. And again, it's just weird. Again, as the person who wrote about him, talked about him five, six years ago, who literally spent a whole episode before he was called up saying, let's let's see what this kid can do. No one can really get mad about Oscar Gonzalez, and I talked about earlier in the year, or Yaner Diaz, because these are two guys who were essentially, um, you know, Yaner isn't with Cleveland anymore. Two guys that were, you know, neither team thought enough to roster. Oscar Gonzalez, Cleveland didn't roster him, so he could have left as a minor league free agent. That's how how worried they were about losing him. It's all found money at this point, no matter what he does, even if it is, you know, a Kareem Garcia situation, no matter what it is. What's happening with Oscar, if he turns into Salvador Perez, then it's a massive found money, and they are extremely lucky. If it's just this one year and, you know, teams come back, and the one hard thing for a lot of guys anymore is teams are going to have 
Barry down on his film and they'll come back next year at the plan. And if he can come back next year and still continue to find success, then I'm just going to shut up and say, listen, they got a unicorn. There's about three guys in baseball at any given time with that profile that find success. And the rest of them end up being like Lewis Brinson. It's working. And it certainly worked tonight. So again, we'll see. I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying there's no way he can be successful. Do I want him to fail? No, not at all. I am happy he's successful. This team needs right-handed hitters. There is almost none throughout the minors. It is a very lefty-heavy organization. We need Oscar Gonzalez. Now that Framil Reyes is gone, I am. I will happily eat crow about Oscar Gonzalez. We need right-handed bats. So I hope I, you know, the general view is wrong. But at the end of the day, I will continue to still doubt anyone with that profile. That's just going to be the way it works because 95% of the time it's not successful. It's the same reason, you know, I had all of my issues with Espino and predicted injury. And speaking of that, well, if you missed it, Daniel Espino has been unofficially shut down for the year. He's going to be in Arizona working in complex leagues and stuff. But he last pitched May 3rd, and they said he's probably not going to appear this year. And I mean, it's moving to the playoffs, so that's not a surprise. But... I mean, he missed more than half the season. That's a huge hit. And I was, you know, thinking about prospect tiers today. And what really hit me is I was trying to define the top prospects in this organization um, while I was sitting there in sixth grade ELA as the teacher read this horribly depressing (laughs) short story to my students. I'm like, I don't want to cry. I don't want to cry. Let's think about prospects. Um, (laughs) That's how it goes sometimes. Uh, So as I'm sitting there uh, listening to this terrible story about a cat dying, uh, I really realized that Cleveland has a clear, clear top six. And there shouldn't be any debate over those players in that top six. And like I said, I think there's really two tiers in there. But after that, it's a pretty mad. I don't know if I want to say massive drop, but I think the drop is pretty noticeable. And then you can debate, honestly, about 10 guys in that next spot. And it was just kind of interesting to think about the miners and what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, that certainly hit me today as I was just thinking about things. Nespino is that guy that is with the talk of him being shut down. It's like, is Gavin Williams, you know, the top pitching prospect in this system? I, I kind of lean towards Rokio than Williams. It is. I, I didn't have the time to do it because again, work is very busy. And uh, sometimes if I have like a planning period, if I actually get a planning period, uh, as a way to make myself a better teacher, I don't actually, I stay after school to get work done. And during the day, I might work on baseball things because I find giving yourself breaks is important. General life thing for me. Maybe it's that way for you too. And I'll like dig up my little, you know, screenshots. It is very interesting to go look up Rokio versus Lindor. You might not know this, but Lindor never hit more than eight home runs at a level in the minors. Uh, you look at some of their other data. You know, Rokio is called the professor. There is a lot there. Now, uh, you hate to put that comp out there because Lindor is on a Hall of Fame track, but I'm just going to say it could be one of those things that's coloring me too much with Rokio, but I think it is interesting. And to that person who two weeks ago, two weeks ago, last week was angry about me talking about too much prospects when the Guardian just won a game. Sorry. Uh, we'll get into the game in part two. We're going to get into the, um, the stats in part three. But I also wanted to talk about, I thought it was interesting kind of looking at some old friend alerts, as I like to call them. I missed that Connor Capel had been added by the Oakland Athletics, that when St. Louis took him off their 40-man, I thought that was kind of an interesting uh, situation. I'd missed that uh, Jesus Aguilar 
a guy who a lot of people kind of hold up as someone Cleveland really missed on. And I don't know if that's fair. Go look at Jesus Aguilar. Uh, he's got a four-career war, and in nine seasons in the big leagues, he's had four years that he's above league average. It's, he's not a stellar player. He's usable, but is this really a guy we want to hold our hat on that they missed on? I, I, I don't know. But he is with Baltimore. Uh, <laughs> Baltimore is just taking... If you were ever a Guardian uh, or an Indian, they're taking you on, apparently. But I noticed those two old friend alerts as I was kind of going through baseball reference. Uh, I was trying to... There was one more player. Oh, I guess it... No, it was just uh, Heath Hembry was designated for assignment. Does he count as a spring training guy? I think that was the other name that I saw that I remembered from uh, that. And I was looking into Taylor Jones just because I'm like, wasn't he a bigger prospect with the Astros at one point in time? And the answer is yes, but it's in very much the way that they are very smart in their manipulation to inflate values. So, oh, and there's the other one was Kyle Dowdy, who part of one of the recent worst trades in Guardians history. That's why I laugh. They don't often get things wrong, but those, I mean, the, the Tigers have been terrible trade partners. You look at how good Peralta was for them. You look at uh, when they acquired. Was that Soto they got in that deal? Was that the 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 uh, the return who never turned it into anything? And then you look at that, Leonis Martin and Kyle Dowdy for Willie Castro. And you know Castro has his ups and downs, but he's a major league talent. I, I firmly behind it. At the time of that trade, I loved it. Uh, I got that one wrong. Uh, Castro's turned into a solid player. His team had been looking for just average in the outfield. Martin was not that. He barely played for that postseason run. Uh, at all for them they desperately need outfielders and was just so awful the next year they released him Dowdy added velocity but had some problems with control very smart guy also just packed I'm reviewing him in the minors and I'm like does this guy do anything but like lift uh just a solidly built dude but a, a good dude and very smart and it's great to see the Reds bringing him back up uh good on him it's someone who was a day three pick who worked his tail off and has gotten a few chances here or there. So I was, I was happy to see that as someone who's gotten to interview and talk with him uh, multiple times. He just he seemed like a good dude that people liked. And he was one of the first people I remember sitting up in that box, like watching the games and pitch tracking the games. Uh, Jake Paulson, another guy I, I remember up there. And then after those guys kind of started with it, I mean, I, Tristan McKenzie was the other player who'd be up there doing that a lot. So it was interesting. It started like this trend of, there would be like two, three of us for media and then the pitcher. And you got a good chance to pick people's heads and talk to them about the game. And I doubt any of them even remember me. But I had some good talks with uh, with all of those pitchers. And uh, Dowdy was the first guy I really remember doing that. It was an interesting experience. So that's kind of the old friend alert. That's some of the prospect stuff. Just some internal thoughts with the whole Espino situation. Um, the other thing I wanted to discuss is it sounds like Aaron Savale is going to now do a rehab assignment that was not the original plan so they're going to have him go and do rehab uh maybe closer to the middle the end of the month i think the hope is that maybe he could pitch in the 20s of the september of you know this month but it's going to be i don't know what you use him for like how much can you trust him and it's at the same time you're sitting there throwing cody morris who can only go 60 innings or 60 innings 60 pitches you got Pilkington who's got major league stuff but you know just can't seem to put it all together uh I think if Savali's still 
if he's coming back, he's an upgrade. There's no doubt. And then no real word I've seen on Plesak as of yet. And then I was just looking at the transactions. No transactions for this team since September 4th in terms of the Major League roster. That is the longest stretch I can recall all year. It's been pretty healthy. They haven't had a too many bonus double headers. It's, it's weird they haven't had a double header because it feels like they've had one every week. So the roster has been pretty consistent. I had forgotten Kurt McCarty was on the roster until today. Had anyone else just completely forgotten he was there due to the, the lack of use for him? Or is that just me? We're going to take a break, come back, and get into this win today for the Cleveland Guardians. Our fantastic sponsor today is Blue Chew. And for some reason, I really wanted to sing that hi-ho theme from Snow White, but as Blue Chew, 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 Blue Chew. Blue chew, blue chew, blue chew. So if that gets stuck in your head, uh, you can thank me later and or curse my eternal soul. I'll accept either one. Blue Chew is a unique service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead. We're ready whenever the opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers. Once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online, so no visits to the doctor, the doctor, no, to the doctor, and no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped directly to your door. Putting in baseball terms, if you're on the bench, you got to be ready to pinch hit at any time. Blue Chew is going to help you be ready. Uh, so, right now, the way this works is. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use the promo code Locked On at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. Promo code is Locked On to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew, the original sponsor. They were our first ever sponsor. I want to give them credit for that. And currently for sponsoring this podcast. If, you're, if you've ever been curious, you're never going to find a better, more discreet way to try a product such as this. I really feel like it gave that last sponsor there, uh, definitely gave them their money is worth in terms of an ad read. That one went a bit long. Uh, so let's talk about this game today. Let me pull up everything. By the way, uh, Twins currently still have a no-hitter into the eighth against the Royals. Uh, does it count if it's against the Royals? That's my one question. Do you still get credit for a no-hitter when you're pitching against the Royals? Uh, Joe Ryan went seven no-hit innings, struck out nine, walked two. Uh, Brian Moran, I'm assuming, is the... Nope, not even close. Giovanni Moran. That's right, he pitched um, against the Guardians multiple times this year. I should have known that. One inning, two strikeouts, eight in the books combined. Eight innings, zero hits, two walks, 11 strikeouts. So something to bear in mind. Uh, the other game we are monitoring, the White Sox in the seventh are beating the Rockies 3-2. to two. Now... The Guardians beat the Angels. Jose Suarez has pitched really well in the second half. Uh, this, But he's more of a pitch-to-contact guy, which was does not favor him when you're facing the Cleveland Guardians team that is the best contact team in baseball. Uh, another kind of what we see, and they almost had another multi-hit, or not they had a multi-hit game. They normally had a double-digit hit game. In this one, they did have double-digit base runners overall. Should I do my box score bingo? Well, you have the two walks and one intentional walk. Jose's getting intentionally walked every game now. So that's three additional base runners plus the nine hits. That's 12 opportunities. Do the math. That should be about four runs. They got three. So they underperformed. 
which is interesting because at the same time they had three extra base hits, which is better than what they've done in most games. Jose Ramirez with 41 doubles, Owen Miller with his 25th, and then as we talked about a little bit at the top, Oscar Gonzalez with his eighth home run. That's what, three this month? I mean, he's almost doubled his home run total this month. The one thing you would say about him that in the minors he showed so much more power than he showed at the big league level. So this is a really another positive thing. And again, physically, he's he's not a five-tool guy, but he's an above-average runner, especially for his size, plus arm, you know, plus power, raw power. I'd say he's like a 65, 70, honestly, and raw power. So we can start tapping into it. It's all the better. And it, it does more. Harris, I know, a disaster. Should never take the hat off. Uh, regretting that immediately. But it's more of that, like, Salvi profile, right? Like, if he can tap into it, the power, it helps that comp carry a little bit more. Who reached base multiple times? Well, Quan had a hit and a walk. Jose had a hit, a walk, and a intentional walk. That should be, you know, they talk about the Gordie Howe hat trick. That should be the Jose Ramirez hat trick. A hit, a walk, and an intentional walk. That's That's the Jose Ramirez hat trick. Two hits for Oscar. Two hits for Owen Miller. And then uh, I believe that is all, uh, two hits for Straw. So again, Straw creeping up. Straw as the creep. It's there. He's now up to 207. Remember, he was in the 180s a few weeks ago. Uh, good to see. Uh, he is my favorite creep. I I, I don't know. I, since I started doing it, the numbers have improved, so I'm not, I'm not stopping. Uh, pitching side, Cody Morris. This was what, start number three? And for a guy who walks five, it's just they couldn't hit him. He had only two hits and three and two-thirds, four strikeouts, two hits. One was a home run, and that was the only damage against him in this one. Uh, the five walks is going to come back to haunt him eventually. He got lucky today. Let's let's just be honest about that. The other side of things, I mean, Kirk McCarty, this might have been his best performance of the year. Uh, three and a third innings, one hit, one strikeout. That's it. I mean, he came in and shut them down. 99 came in. Uh one inning, one strikeout. Class A. One inning, one hit, two strikeouts. It was interesting. The According to the Angels, Class A has the lowest ERA in the history of baseball for anyone who has made 50 appearances. That's a good stat, right? I thought that was a stat that stood out when they mentioned that one on the broadcast. I mean, you got to be pretty good when you have the lowest ERA of all time. Especially because he's pitched not in the dead ball era. And they didn't say in modern era. They said of all time. Uh, so that is, that's, that's all you really need to say about how good Class A is. And then just a reminder, the Guardians have him for six more years, and he never makes more than, I believe, $10 million. Maybe he gets up to 12 or 13 but Max would be 13 I believe Max, though, is 10 That's That's a great contract for this team. Uh, I didn't do box score bingo for the Angels. They had four hits and five walks. That should be three runs. On those nine opportunities, they got one. They just couldn't, it was almost a Guardian story, right? Like, they couldn't put anything together. They didn't have any extra base hits outside of Thice. Uh, I almost said Mike Ford. Mike Ford had a hit in the ninth, but Mike Trout is who I wanted to talk about. He didn't even have a hit today. He had a walk. So his home run streak ends. He does not get to the crazy eights and join the all-time record for most games in a row with a home run. It's hard to look at this team and not be like, that is such a bad lineup. It is, it's brutal. For all the money they've spent and all the guys who are under this state. And it's, you know, you hear that uh, Artie Moreno is, is up for selling the team. It, they just keep doing the same things that haven't worked. Like, nobody wins through signing free agents. Like, who has successfully, 
I mean, look at the Yankees and their development. Yeah, they have signed some big-name free agents, but they built a core. They did some minor league growth. Judge was internal, you know, things like that. This isn't the Angels. Like, you go through that lineup, Adele and Marsh were kind of their big young players. They made that trade, and, and the Marsh deal could be great. Logan Hoppy has looked amazing in double-A for them, uh, and it is their number one prospect. Now, Marsh was a, you're kind of hoping at best, he's going to be a plus, he's going to be a league average miles straw. Like, that is his best outcome right now based on what we've seen. You know, there was a point in time where we thought maybe he'd have plus power and, and you know, league average hit, but I, I don't think he's, he's going to be a below average hitter, I think. Ren Giffo, I mean, they nearly flipped him, and, like, that's one of those terrible deals that because they, they could have had Andy Pages in that deal, and he would be the number one prospect in this system for real. Uh, it's just been poorly a poorly run team with a lot of poor decisions and continually signing guys like Rendon to like obscene contracts. I mean, pull holes. Yeah, I, we all knew that was going to turn bad at the speed. What, what, what happened to pull holes this year? Uh, he can't retire, can he? I mean, he would retire on top, but he's got a Albert Pujols would be the second most effective hitter, maybe third most effective hitter on the Guardians this year with what he's put together. It's kind of ridiculous his comeback uh but yeah the angels i almost feel bad for him like i've spent a lot of years thanks to my buddy taylor blake ward like interacting with angels fans getting to know angels fans and they're a good group and i just can't help but feel like they every year think things are going to turn around and you know they don't get garrett cole they're the runners up and they instead get what rendon and and i'm thinking like thinking about how all of these free agents have failed i went back to like cj wilson in my head the texas pitcher right who ended up being hurt and joe adele and it's just it's a series of giving up first round picks and then the guys they sign aren't even productive and i mean if you're the angels you're not trading trout but Atani is Atani's is going to be a free agent the same time uh jose ramirez is supposed to be right like he's or no uh or is he on the shane bieber track he might be on the bieber track it might be two years instead of one but it's no more than two so do they consider trading him? Because he's going to get a haul unlike any other player because of the value he brings. And by the way, if the Guardians want to cash in their um, their prospect pool, if they, you know if they're not going to call these guys up and go get a Tani, right? Let him DH for this team. Uh, yes, he'd be another left-handed bat, but DH and start and like. In two years, fine. You're going to lose in a free agency. You get a draft pick in exchange for that. You get a first rounder. But you're going to raise your Q rating so much. You get a top end value in terms of just what he does for a team. And you're also going to, by the way, uh, you're going to sell so much merch. You're going to, we joked in the Lockdown Network that you mentioned Otani, you get a bump. You might have noticed I've put his name in almost everything. I haven't gotten the bump, unfortunately. <laughs> that they talk about but there is a theory about this otani bump that even just mentioning him you get about 100 more views on your podcast so i'm gonna say right now otani is someone that i would strongly say the guardian should try to add yeah he's a dh he's also a really good starter could fill two roles for this team and you know i just want to see how many years he has before he hits free agency but i mean just looking at what he can do he is a free agent after 2023 so you get him for one year i'd still do it 
I'd still cash in the cards and get one year uh, if you make the trade in the offseason for where this core is now and where this is team is going forward. Depending on cost, I think it's something to consider. We're going to take our last break, come back, uh, give you the three stars of the game, and discuss some fun with stats when it comes to the major league players. So I also want to comment, I noticed I was reading an article on the Tigers and oof, you know, brutal situation going on there. Uh, the fact that they have 88 home runs, I thought it was interesting in the article that they said that, you know, uh, the Yankees, Giancarlo Stanton and Aaron Judge have uh, like 85 or no, like 84. And I was like, Stanton's not second on that team is home runs. Is Rizzo and Judge have 85 combined to the Tigers, 88. Uh, it was also a bit of a, a weird article because it's, you know, it made it sound like the, the offense has gotten worse when it's actually gotten better. We've talked about their, like, bottom five still in the second half, but they're not the worst. So let's talk some stats. You know, I was looking at the doubles today. And it's like, we obviously, Jose Ramirez with 41 leads the team. Owen Miller is second, and then it is a tie with Ahmed and Oscar Gonzalez for doubles. Uh, an interesting stat, and that is that thing where, again, we talked about Oscar Gonzalez. You're hoping then maybe those doubles turn to home runs in the air. Hey, it is conceivable. Walks. Jose's got 58. Steven Kwan's got 55. Miles Straw is next. 46 walks. Did you that? I did not know that Straw would be top three in any offensive category. Uh, it's a pretty big drop-off before Jimenez at 30. I thought that was kind of interesting. Jose Ramirez, by the way, has 14 intentional walks this year. The rest of the team has nine that that's that is the situation there hit by pitch we've talked about this many times who's uh who's hit by Jimenez has been hit by 19 pitches this year number two Owen Miller was seven number three Austin Hedges was six that's right you combine them that's 13 we add in number four Steve Kwan with five it's still only 18 Jimenez is just lapping the field how about our old friend grounded into double plays can you guess who's number one? If you listen to this show, you know it's Med Rosario at 18. Two, Josh Naylor at 11. Three, Franmil Reyes at eight. He hasn't been with this team since July. Still third. Stolen bases. Now, it's interesting how many players have double-digit stolen bases because they have five. You're, those five. Jimenez leads the team. I don't think I knew that. I don't think that was something. I, I would have guessed probably the guy who's number four as the, the leader, but... Number two is Straw. Number three is Jose Ramirez. Four, Quan. Five, Ahmed Rosario. So that's two of those more traditional stats that uh, Straw leads the team in. Who's got the most sacrifice flies? Owen Miller, Jose Ramirez, then Josh Naylor. Most sacrifice hits? Uh, that would be Austin Hedges with eight. Sacrifice bunts, not a choice there. Uh, I'm sure Tito will ask them to do that. Should we talk about home runs? There are three players with double-digit home runs for Cleveland. I'll repeat that. Three players with double-digit home runs. That's an issue. That's something they need to address. You know, if they go out and add a DH and have Naylor play first base, as we talked about the Otani of it all, uh, or if they go out and trade for someone like Christian Walker maybe in Arizona, uh, they need to do something. Because you got Jose, then Naylor, then Jimenez, and then tied for fourth. Ahmed Rosario and Fran Mill Reyes, again, hasn't been there since July. Those are your top five in that category. Okay, bouncing around. 
batting average. Jimenez, then Quan, Oscar Gonzalez is third, Jose Ramirez four, and then Ahmed Rosario, 277, is your fifth highest rated player. On base percentage, who gets on base for this team? Sandy Leon has the highest one, followed by Alex Call. Now, obviously, neither of them qualify or with the team, uh, but I let any player uh, list in there. So when you get into guys who actually play, on base percentage goes Quan, Jimenez, Jose, Oscar. At uh, Oscar's a little bit of a surprise just because the lack of walks there for me, and then Josh Naylor. What we're kind of seeing here through a lot of these stats is there is a clear top five hitters for the Guardians this year, and then there's kind of everyone else, which is why it's a little frustrating that Jimenez often hits six. Because there's a clear top five. Clear top five. Slugging, Jose Ramirez, Andres Jimenez, Oscar Gonzalez, Josh Naylor, and then Ahmed Rosario. Talked about ISO for prospects yesterday. Who has the best ISO on this team? Jose Ramirez, Josh Naylor, Andres Jimenez, Oscar Gonzalez. Fifth best ISO this year. Oscar Mercado. Oh, you're saying he's gone. Well, then it's Fran Mil Reyes. And you're like, oh, he's gone. How about Nolan Jones? He's currently in AAA. Well, we can go down to eighth for Ahmed Rosario. And by the way, yes, Ahmed Rosario is better than Owen Miller. Bapip. Who do we need to worry about? Who has been very lucky in their time? Listen, Andres Jimenez, as much as I love him and everything he's done, it's a 347 is insanely lucky. He's going to still have some regression. He's overperforming, and I don't think he's going to be a 142 going forward in terms of runs created plus. Also, at the 347 is Oscar Gonzalez. Again, massively overperforming. They both have good speed, but you're looking at both of them looking kind of best case that their batting averages are both about 30 points higher than they should be. So that would knock Jimenez down to his 267 and a 258 for Oscar. And I don't think I, you know, it's like we'll see how productive they can be in those situations. Um, next up in Bapip, 320 for Ahmed, 318 for Quan. Now, who has been the most unlucky? Let's look at it the other way, the one that's actually going to tell us something. Uh, well, Hedges at a 220. Now, even Slow Guy should be somewhere 60 points higher than that, so that's one of the signs you're looking for something positive with Hedges. Uh, Straw, his is about 60 points lower than it should be, so it's showing that he should be closer to a 260 batting average, which again just completely changes his offensive profile. Uh, in terms of guys playing more on the regular, Naylor at a 273, I mean, with his speed, that's kind of in the range though. And Jose at a 276, that's with his speed, that's unlucky. So Jose has underperformed this year. Uh, let's grab some stat cast data to end it on. Let's let's go up the, the new new. Who leads this team in barrels? Who has made the best positive contacts? For those who don't know, when you barrel a ball, you're more likely to have positive outcomes when you don't. It's when you hit it on the exact right place on the bat. Number one, Jose Ramirez. Number two, Josh Naylor. Number three, a tie with Fran Mil Reyes and Andres Jimenez. Again, if you're going through this, you're kind of like, why did they cut? Fran Mill. Like, he, he's coming up for a lot of categories. He's only, what, 27? And this team is desperate for right-handed bats. Uh, after those two, you have Ahmed Rosario, and then Oscar Gonzalez, you know, who has not been up as long. Like, if he had been up longer, like, you look at it. 577 plate appearances for Ahmed, 280 for Oscar. He would be up there if he had played 
more regularly. If you want to talk about percentage, so give someone like Oscar who didn't spend the whole season. Highest barrel percentages. Uh, Yu Chen Chang, but that was all of 10, so we don't want to look at Nolan Jones with only 94 is interesting to see. Fran Mill, <laughs> you know, 14.3%. Josh Naylor, then Oscar Gonzalez. And then Andres Jimenez, then Oscar Mercado. Jose Ramirez, Luke Maley, Ahmed Rosario at 10. By the way, Ernie Clement at 11 ahead of Owen Miller. Uh, it's pretty ugly there. Most hard hit. Who has had the most hard hit balls? Ahmed, number one, tied with Jose. Then Naylor. It's a pretty big gap. Like Ahmed and Jose are both 173. Naylor's at a 134. Uh, then you have Andres Jimenez. And then surprise among surprise. This one, I couldn't help but laugh there. Wild Straw. I mean, you want to get into the BAPIP being, for a guy with his speed, his BAPIP is in the 220s. He has a high hard, hard hit percentage. If you want to buy low candidate for next year, for as much as, you know, as bad as he has been, there's a lot of things that point to him being incredibly unlucky. Hard hit percentage. So, again, Nolan Jones, highest of anyone who had more than uh, 90 plate appearances. Fran Mill, too. Let's see, in terms of guys who actually had some, Oscar Gonzalez is next, then Josh Naylor, then Ahmed Rosario. So it, it's, what I think is fun digging into all of this is, again, to me, very clearly, a few things take shape. One, Quan, Rosario, Jose, Oscar, Andres, Naylor. So I know I said a top five, there is a top six. I do think there is additionally a top three, which is Juan, Jose, and and Andres. But there is a top six. The other things that really come up is maybe they should have been a little more patient with Fran Mill. Just maybe. Um, it, Nolan Jones did really well when he was given his opportunity. Hopefully he'll get another look. And Miles Straw might have some massive rebound potential because... We already know the defense carries. The defense is going to work. When you have Straw and then Quan, those two are such elite defenders in left and center. It really gives you something kind of special defensively. Straw with the bad bat pip, with the high hard hit, there's a lot of reasons to think he should be able to turn this around. And I think for me, that gives me some hope. And the other thing you look at through this is, like I said, I am... I'm looking forward to Oscar Gonzalez making me look dumb. I am very much hoping for that. And you can go through the StatCast data and see reasons why. You can also look at BAPIP and see the reasons that, you know, why I kind of argue against him. But you see the guy who's got a high hard hit, a high barrel percentage, and that also plays into that Salvi comp, that he could be Salvador Perez as an outfielder. It, it, there's enough here to be like, okay, and if you want to make that argument, I, I get it. I see it. I see you. Uh, I'm still concerned because of just likelihood, but I get it. And I hope I hope it happens because, again, this team needs right-handed bats. Let me know what you think. Do, should I go back and do more of this? I know we've focused on kind of more minor stats and stuff like that. We didn't even get into pitch stats this year. Talk about, like, who leads this team in FIP. I don't know. Who's been the best uh, pitcher in terms of the Cleveland Guardians and things like that? We can even look at, like, pitch type. Do you want to know who hits change-ups the best uh we, we can find out or, or who sees the most like okay who sees the most change-ups who has the highest percentage of change-ups on this team 
Oh, yeah, it's it's Jose Ramirez. <laughs> we know that. But uh, pitch value, plate discipline. It, it's kind of fun to go look at some of that and also just talk about things. I mean, I'm a stats nerd, so that's that's always going to be fun for me. But you know, we'll obviously talk about the games. we got a game every day this week, so we'll get into all those. Tomorrow is a day game, so what's nice about that is uh, when I get home, I can immediately record. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been Locked on Guardians Podcast. Remember to rate and review, download daily. It helps. Please subscribe on YouTube. Uh, if you have not, we're in the, into the 600-plus subscribers. And, hey, I've talked about it already. We had one of our best weeks ever. Uh, top 10 in network, top 50 amongst baseball podcasts. So thank you, thank you, thank you all. And as I end every show, and I'm actually going to say it this time, unlike yesterday getting cut off, go, go, Guardians, go.